Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Now, welcome back. It's hour number two of Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you every day, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern as we cover everything happening in sports, fantasy sports, gambling, everything else. Of course, we had some great NASCAR MMA over the weekend, and we're going to get into some NFL odds coming up here in just a minute. But, uh, Joe, one of the things that Mike Alexander is going to join us on the show coming up a little bit later, another retirement for Conor McGregor. Is he a WWE guy? Is that what's next for him? Uh, gosh, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, usually when WWE takes guys, they, they like the bigger guys, like the Kane Velazquez's of the world, some guys like that, or they had that program they ran with him and Tyson Fury for the for the Saudi Arabian show that they ran last year. But, you know, I mean, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, Conor McGregor's a good promo, and they love sports entertainment. I personally, as a wrestling purist, not a big fan of when there's crossover and out, like when they bring in Rob Gronkowski, but I get it. I understand why. Ronda Rousey as well. Well, here's the thing about Ronda. Ronda put the time in to be an in-ring performer. Ronda took it seriously. Ronda signed a contract. Ronda went to the Performance Center and worked to become, which is very difficult. I remember when I was training folks, it was very difficult to get uh, anyone who had any real martial arts or mixed martial arts training to get them into fight choreography was very difficult because you're basically restructuring their entire brain about contact and about trying to avoid contact and instead of uh, looking for contact, looking for spots. And what happens is, you know, sword fighting or, or you know, wrestling, whatever it is, it's a lot of things where you meet in the middle on things. And it, I always said it's easier to train a dancer to fight on film or theater or anything like that than it is to train a fighter sometimes because although they might move well, they have to reprogram their brain about contact. And that was one of the things I was super impressed with Ronda Rousey and her ability to do. You know, what was difficult is they shot her to the moon right away on the program, made her champ, all these things, which, I mean, she's a huge star. Why not do it? I know how to and, do that. Yeah. Well, and, and well, they did. And what happens is there's that underbelly of, of the fan base that kind of resents that and, and resents, wait, what about the girls who've been working here for the last two years trying to work to that level to get there? And this person comes in. But... In retrospect, it did lead to the first ever main event of the women at WrestleMania, which was a huge deal two years ago. Uh, so that was fantastic. Uh, it was Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey. So there are moments where the crossover is really good for the wrestling business. And Ronda Rousey, I think, is the exceedingly best one. I know she's kind of sour and she was a big wrestling fan as a kid. I hope she at some point comes back. I know she took some time off to have a kid. And uh, I'm not sure what the status of that is, but I, I think that... Um, I think there's a good chance at some point in time because there's money to be made that she will be back in WWE at some point. But I'll tell you, it's very difficult for these folks who are boxers, MMA people to get into the world of wrestling where it's about taking care of the other person. And it's an incredible dance to make it look like a fight. It's about aggressive intent, but having safe technique at the same time. And that's that's a very delicate balance for someone who's used to really fighting. All right. Well said by Joe. Didn't know we were going that deep. But well, we go. sorry. All you right. hit me in my wheelhouse, Craig Mish. Sometimes yeah, there it, is. there it was. Yeah, yeah. You hit the fountain, sometimes it gushes. What are you going to do? There it is. All right. So <laughs> uh, from there, let's get into uh, their props. Uh, we're going to talk about Jerry Judy today, drafted by the Denver Broncos in the first round. His total in 2020 is set at 774 and a half. Minus 112 are the odds with Alabama last year. He went uh, for 1,163 yards with Tua mostly. 
um, in 13 games because Alabama didn't have a great year overall, so he didn't get to play in those two playoff games, which you can see is represented right there in 2018. So take that with a grain of salt. Uh, 1,315 receiving yards because they played in the playoff two extra games right. and uh, and played in the championship there, but went over this total in both years. Uh, Judy was, the uh, to me, the most polished receiver in the draft. I don't think there's any question about it. Um, you know, I, I in my dynasty, I don't, I, I would take Judy. I think if if I had an opportunity uh, to get him, I don't know that I will. And that's kind of one of the things that I'm fighting with is trying to figure out if it's going to be a running back or a wide receiver. But uh, we've discussed this a little bit. I feel like this is a horrible landing spot for him. And um, I'm just, I am not. I mean, maybe it'll happen. I'm just not convinced that Denver is going to be throwing the ball a lot in 2020. I know Sutton went uh, for over a thousand yards last year. Uh, Fant is there too. Maybe Judy. Maybe, maybe this offense is just going to be a super explosive offense of the likes that we've never seen, and that would go exactly against what Vic Fangio did all of last year. So maybe they change. Maybe this is a completely new Denver team that's just wide open, and they change their whole process. And if so, Judy's got a chance to go over that number. But how could I say that he's going to go over without knowing that? So it would be a pass for me or under, if anything. Yeah, this is difficult because I'm kind of with you. I absolutely love the talent of Jerry Judy. I mean, last year when I got to watch him, he was incredibly impressive. And I don't think there's you know a question that he's the most polished wide receiver of all the ones that were out there. CeeDee Lamb might be a little bit more explosive, but I think Jerry Judy probably a little bit more NFL-ready than anybody else was, yet he didn't go first. Um, and the only difference between us here is I don't hate the situation as much as you. I am slightly more optimistic but there is no ceiling for, oh, my God, this offense is going to knock our socks off. Can it be better than last year? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of, you know, question about that, whether or not yeah, they can better, be better. It better be. Or well, here's the thing. Be. I think immediately when you add in Melvin Gordon already with Lindsey, you've got not one but two capable running backs. That takes a lot of pressure off the quarterback right from the get-go. And then you have a quarterback last year in, in Drew Locke who in those last couple of games – Played better than people thought he would. Did he play great? Was he all world? Was he Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Drew Brees? No. But was he better than expected? Yes. So I think when you look at Cortland Sutton, Fant, Jerry Judy, the two running backs, you're giving him a lot of weapons to be effective. Now, in my mind, I think somewhere around 800 would be a fantastic yardage season for Jerry Judy. More reasonable is probably something in the 750 range, which is why you get this number was right dab in the middle. And that's why I don't think it's a smart wager at all, because unfortunately you're in a situation where this is again, right at the expectation. There are absolutely cases you can make against this to go for the under. If you really don't like drew lock or you feel like Jerry Judy is going to, you know, have to earn his role and earn his targets, which I don't think is going to be the case. I don't think you take somebody in the first round if you're not ready to give them some target share. And I don't think there's anybody else there I'm super worried about stealing the targets besides Cortland Sutton. Noah Fant will get some action because most young quarterbacks will check down. But at the end of the day, I think this is right around the number. So for me, this is not a very enticing wager, Craig. Uh, if you are looking at Jerry Judy, where do you think he falls? Do you think he's above or below this number? What's interesting for me to to play an over on him would be he is the one receiver, and I'm including Lamb in this, and and I'm including Ruggs, and I'm including Rieger, and, and all the receivers that were taken right around that spot, is that he's the one guy that if something, and I'm not rooting for it, but if something was to happen to Sutton, I could see a massive season for him in terms of yardage and catches and, and even potentially more than Sutton. But that's not something that you can count on. So, no, they uh, do I'm have a new gonna... OC. Pat Shermer is there, and I think he is an upgrade over what was there. 
But at the same time, well, whoever I, I, it was, it didn't do a good job. I can tell you that. Well, they didn't, but also Joe Flacco was, I mean, the first, you know, 10 yeah, games Flacco of the year, whatever it was, was Flacco was, was disaster. So I think they were trying to mask that as best they could. But I, I think that Pat Shermer, another one of these guys where I think fits better as an OC, I think he will find a lot of ways to, you know, to, to develop Drew Locke into that next step. And will he be a star in the NFL? I'm not sure. I doubt it, but anything can happen. We've seen guys surprised before. I just think when you're talking about wagering and talking about how many passing yards we're expecting from Drew Locke this year, I mean, for him to go over this and, and closer to a thousand is kind of, you know, that's asking for a really big upgrade year over year. And I don't think they're quite there yet. All right, let's uh, move on from Judy to the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook, where we have the most receiving yards for anyone in 2020. And uh, yeah, I mean, somewhat wide open a little bit here, a little bit more than I thought. Michael Thomas is the favorite, but hey, plus 450 doesn't tell you he's the overwhelming favorite here. Julio Jones is about eight and a half to one. Chris Godwin is at 10 to one. Hopkins, 14 to one. Mike Evans, uh, 14 to one. Tyreek Hill is 14 to one. And we will talk long shots here in a minute, but essentially these are more or less the chalk. These are more or less the favorites. And there are a lot of guys, uh, they've basically given you the option of, of certainly taking any wide receiver here. So look, I mean, uh, Thomas is the odds on favorite, but we all know what can happen in the NFL. A guy can get hurt. That could change things. Uh, you know, certainly Godwin, who knows with Tom Brady, Tom uh, Godwin this year could be number one because that's the way he was trending last year. Uh, or maybe Brady doesn't have a good year. He doesn't have Winston with him. Um, Evans is on this list, too. I find it hard to believe. Uh, but in the 14 to one range, I think Tyreek Hill is intriguing. I really do, because you're talking about a guy that does not have to catch 100 balls in, <laughs> in order to do this. And that's just because he is so damn explosive. He's so fast and um, again, the, the health of Patrick Mahomes last year wasn't there the entire season. You get these two guys healthy on the field together at the same time. There's just enormous upside here. So in terms of like the guys on the bubble here outside the top two of Julio and Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill's the one to me that I think that's an intriguing 14 to one shot that if I was looking to kind of sneak a wager in there, that's the one that I think people might not realize. But I agree with you 100 percent about the uh, the two guys in Tampa. I think they split into each other. And Evans, I definitely think would be a huge notch below for this particular title. Yeah, I, I would really be surprised if one of the Tampa guys won. But uh, certainly I mean, it's very rare that I'll look at a favorite and say it's hard to go against, but Thomas could be that guy here. And it's and really the odds are, are not bad. I mean, if, if Thomas was two to one, I'd say, what's the point? Four to one on your money is not bad. Uh, let's look at the long shots here. This is just simply a dart throw. Unlikely, but again, uh, strange things happen. D, uh, DK Metcalf, I thought was worth mentioning here. He is at 42 to one. Uh, Lockett is there clearly as well, but Metcalf kind of emerged as their top guy last year at the end. DJ Moore, 65 to one. Who in the world's throwing? Uh, Sterling Shepard is 90 to one. Rashad Perryman on the Jets is 100 to one. And look, as long as uh, the Raiders don't make any moves, Tyrell Williams is sitting there at, a, at 100 to one. If Tyrell Williams plays 16 games, he's going to have a thousand yards. Can he get to 1500, 1600? I don't know. So I don't, I didn't see him at 100 to one, but that's kind of where they're at. Any, any interesting one here or just pass? Well, there's one guy is not on this list that I think is interesting just from a sheer volume standpoint in the offense, especially with the running back situation kind of, I don't want to say a mess, but in question. And that's Cooper Cup of the Rams, because Cooper Cup is a guy who just gets a ton of looks, a ton of targets, a ton of volume. And now that they're kind of bereft of that Todd Gurley weapon in the offense, I don't know where that's going to be. So their version of moving the football is going to end up kind of being like Brady and Edelman kind of thing, where just kind of you move it incrementally with Cooper Cup. So it might be one of these slow burns 
But you're talking about a guy who can get over 100 receptions. I think that's, to me, always that mark of most of the time to lead the league, you got to be close to 100 receptions in order to do that for the most part. So who can get a near that mark? I think Cooper Cup is actually one of those guys. I think DK Metcalf has is absolutely poised for a breakout, but at the same time, He's got to catch the football. I had a couple of big drops last year, too many big drops last year. So if he can rectify that situation year over year, he could be he could be either Anquan Bolden or David Boston. I don't think there's any in between here with him. We're going to see what DK Metcalf is in 2020. But for me, I think Cooper Cup's the other guy I would throw out in this list as a potential dark horse candidate. Yeah, Woods and Cup have about the same odds over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. So if you want to get in on any of that, go ahead, sign up for an account if it's legal where you live, you can get those bets in now, as well as a lot of other NFL ones, of which we'll touch on next. Who will have the best record and who will have the worst record in the NFL? Well, FanDuel has odds on that. We're going to dive into that next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia on this Monday. We hope you had a good weekend and we're going to continue the good vibes going when we come back right after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. One of the great things about the FanDuel Sportsbook is they have odds on everything, literally. So head on over there if you're interested in getting down on any wagers, futures wagers in particular with the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and of course all the live action going on right now. NASCAR yesterday, the KBO going on as well. They've got it all for you over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. And so we've been touching on a lot of the different NFL topics here on the show, going player by player to give you a little bit of a leg up in the early part of June. And of course, still some time before training camps and before the preseason starts, but not a bad time to take a look at the teams with the best record and the worst record in 2020. And guess what? FanDuel has odds on that too. So let's take a look. Baltimore Ravens plus 420 and the Chiefs are plus 420. So these two teams are neck and neck going into the season. Those are the two clear favorites at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Coming off the great season that the 49ers had last year, they got them at 7-1. to one. The Saints not far behind there at 9-1 to one as well. And then uh, somehow uh, the next two, I guess, because people are going to bet on them. I don't get it, but they're sitting there. Cowboys at 11-1 and the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 11-1. <laughs> to one. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they got to basically avoid uh, people over-betting on those two teams. Dallas always, and of course this year with Tampa Bay uh, having Brady on the team this man, year. Man, that so Tampa they, Bay Kool-Aid is strong this year, man. <laughs> wow. That is, that, yeah, that very much so. You? I mean, you know, uh, I it love doesn't, It doesn't shock me because they have to it, it, They have to protect themselves here in this game. You can't make Tampa Bay 25 to 1. You're going to have everybody betting it. And then, they, and, and then if by some miracle it happened, then it could, because anything could happen, then they're going to get annihilated. So they got to adjust. And people will still bet it probably at 11 to 1, too. They got to make the number right. It's uh, it's probably, look, it's probably probably one of the first four teams. I mean, it, it does seem to be the case. I don't I won't rule out Seattle. I won't rule out Minnesota. Philadelphia, by the way, was right after this, like 15 to one. Um, but it, it does certainly feel like, like Baltimore KC, it could come down to one of them. You can't rule out the saints ever because of the quarterback and, and the great talent that they have around there. And then, and then the 49ers are coming off a great season too. So for me, it'd be one of these four, 
who do you like out of these four? Or if there's somebody else, potentially. I like Kansas City, actually. And it's not just because they won the Super Bowl. It's because where I think of their place in the division. I think they're going to just dominate that division. Where you're talking about Tyrod Taylor, and you're talking about Drew Locke, and we're talking about some other quarterbacks in this division. It's going to be tough for them to win games against the Kansas City Chiefs. Whereas, you know, Pittsburgh's got Ben Roethlisberger back. You know, they, there's Joe Burrow now in Cincinnati. And are, is the Bengals going to turn things around and be miraculously good? I don't know. Are they going to be more competitive? I think they will be. Um, but I think Baltimore has got a lot tougher of a road when you consider their actual division. Whereas Kansas City, for me, I think that's the one where you just kind of go, OK, it's it's their division. I just even, you know, the, the Raiders in Las Vegas, I'm sure there'll be a lot of juice and a lot of expectation there in Vegas for them. But at the same time. It's still it's still car. It's still, it's still the team that we saw last year for the most part year over year stands a little bit of a change. Uh, so for me, I just think that's the way I would go. And I would stay away from San Francisco. I really would. I, I keep driving this home every week, but I'm going to keep doing it. I don't care if I'm a broken record. Uh, when you lose a Super Bowl in heartbreaking fashion, usually the next year things do not go well. Uh, despite all the expectations. And sometimes when there are expectations on a team, it's very difficult because they're not used to dealing and living in those expectations. Uh, and New Orleans is just such a good roster. I mean, you go up and down that depth chart at every position, every position on the defensive side, uh, that is just, they're just loaded. The only thing that can undo New Orleans is New Orleans. And unfortunately, they've had some bitter, bitter defeats in the playoffs the last couple of years for different reasons. But to me, I think it's New Orleans and the Chiefs, and I'll, I'll go with the Chiefs here for me. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really see it the same way. I, I see the Chiefs as the best team in the NFL. I think that I could agree with that. Uh, but I think that between Baltimore and Kansas City, the smarter bet for sure is to take the Ravens. The Chiefs may end up being the better team hmm. and having the best record at the end, but due to the fact that the Ravens play the Chiefs and play them at home in the regular season, which I would guess that they'll be favored in. I can't see Kansas City being a road favorite at Baltimore, even though Baltimore may only be two or three-point favorites. And again, things could happen significantly. But my guess is week three, Baltimore's minus two and a half or minus three at home against Kansas City. If they win that game, it, it would appear that they would put that would put them a game ahead of the Chiefs, and then the Chiefs would have to be playing catch-up all season long. Now, conversely to that, very clearly playing the other side. If the Chiefs beat Baltimore and Baltimore, it's probably a wrap. I mean, at that point, the Chiefs don't have to do much the rest of the season because, uh, as you stated, the Chargers probably not very good, the Raiders probably not very good, and they do have an easier road. But essentially, if Baltimore beats KC Week 3, I think that that gives them the edge, and certainly, uh, and certainly that's the way that I would go between these two teams. Um, the Saints, I think, is a good dark horse here. It is, it is, for me, one of the four teams, though. Usually what I like to do is I, I like to identify a team beyond this because I think that there's always value, but I, I, don't, I don't see any value beyond it. I think that the elite teams are a one through four uh, listed, listed there. So I would, would take agree. Baltimore. I would take Baltimore there. All right, uh, team with the worst record. How about this? The team with the worst record at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious. The overwhelming favorite here at this point is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And those Jaguars are plus 250. So really no value almost at all picking the Jags to lose 14 or 15 games this season, which it probably will require to be the worst team in the NFL. After that, we've got a choice. We've got the Redskins at 6-1, to one, the Panthers at 7-1, to one, the Bengals are the same at 7-1, to one, the Dolphins, uh, at, you know, who were you know, a clear favorite last year, are at 11-1. to one, 
the Giants 14 to 1. And then you got your pick here at 17 to 1. All three teams. The Lions, the Raiders, and then Joe can just take it take all the money. Throw it on the Jets right there. hundred dollars. <laughs> uh, bring you back seventeen hundred dollars if the Jets have the worst record in the NFL which FanDuel is telling you is not going to happen, but you could. You could take your stab there and, and take a shot there at 17-1. to 1. Um, I'll start off here. I, I like Carolina to have the worst record in the NFL. I, I think that the message has been sent with them. They have completely turned things over, turned things around, offensively, defensively, uh, all rookies. I mean, I don't care what they drafted. They're all going to be playing as rookies in the first year in the NFL, and they essentially have two strong playmakers on that team this year, a wide receiver and a running back, and to me, that's it. You lose Keekly. Uh, they gave Rule a five-year contract, which is, like, unheard of for a college coach. Usually it's like we give you a three-year deal. The first year, you can stink. The second year, you got to get a little bit better, and if you're bad in the third, you're out. But five years? I mean, that that's a long time. Um, I, I'm going to take a, a stab at Carolina being the worst I think it's team a good in one. the NFL this year. That's, that's the one. I, and, look, Jacksonville clearly stinks. But I, I don't want to rehash my Dolphin story from last year. It could go it could go right down to the end. And let's say hypothetically both Carolina and Jacksonville have three wins at the end of the season. And Jacksonville mm-hmm. wins a meaningless game at the end like like the Dolphins did at New England. Um, the odds are better. It's 7-1 to one as opposed to 2-1. to one. And so that's re- more of my reasoning there to try and make a more educated bet. Well, the other thing about Carolina is there's a lot of youth there. And sometimes that equates to losses, unfortunately. They had seven picks in the draft this year, and all seven were defensive picks. And that means that defense is going to be very young. Now, they have some talent, but at the same oh, time, you mentioned— it's going to be bad. It can't be good. With no, but, I, but that's I'm, I'm supporting your your statement here. So yeah. I'm, actually, I'm actually in lockstep with you, where I just think they're going to be very green. Uh, they're going to have some good moments, but higher up on the trough here in this list with a shot to be the worst— I think Carolina's youth, I think, you know, maybe you want to call them a little one-dimensional and Teddy Bridgewater, you know, might not be able to get the ball downfield and make this offense something you could spread out down the field. Those are the kind of questions. I mean, if the Bengals repeated, it wouldn't shock me either. Uh, Washington, I just, I think Washington's another team too, where I just don't see it. I look at that roster and that roster is just really scary. (laughs) Like, you know, the quarterback all the way down. Too many questions, not enough answers. And I think Ron Rivera will get things right eventually, but I think it's going to take a while. And I think there's an incentive there for them to not be good again and to continue to get some high picks back-to-back years and be able to turn this roster over after that. So I think all three of the teams at the top here, if you want to go out there, Carolina all the way at seven, there's nothing bad in there. And you know what? You're right. Sorry, everybody. I know you're going to hate me in Jets Nation, but you know what? I mean, if anybody can get to uh, a number one pick overall, it's Adam Gase. I believe in Adam Gase's ability to get his team there. And um, look, it's it just... Won't be, it won't be his team if they have the number one pick. <laughs> well, okay, the Jets, not his team. But I think that's the outside. I don't think the Lions are in this. I don't think the Giants are. I think the Dolphins are starting to look up. The Bengals still defensively are, are just not good. Uh, but offensively, I do expect big things from them this year with Mixon and Burrow. I expect them to turn that around. I just had a huge conversation on Fantasy Pros with uh, Mike Tagliere, who was one of the best fantasy football minds out there. And he is very bullish on Joe Burrow as well. So I'm not on, on an Island on this one, but it is hard when you look at Jacksonville to think they haven't earned the spot here to be the favorite. Cause this is another roster too, with they Gar- earned it, the they earned it, but I'll tell you right now, this is a bad bet taking Jacksonville at two to one. There's no value there. And anything no, there's can no value. I, I mean, if, if they were five to one, it'd be a different story, but this is like this is just too much of an overwhelming favorite for me to even consider it. What would be the point? 
No, I, mean, I, 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 I think I, that's I why you look for Washington, so. Carolina. I think those are two. I think any other team is a good bet. I don't like. I don't. I, listen, the, I Indiana don't think the Giants could, are. I really don't. I, I think. Uh, I just don't. <laughs> I think they're going to be. The, the, the problem is, is that what we can't quantify is that uh, if if the okay, so if the Giants, the Lions, and uh, no, if the Giants and the Lions and the Raiders, I'll say if the Giants, Lions, and Raiders, any of them lost their quarterback, they're the number one pick. That's the problem with that. Uh, Washington still doesn't really matter. <laughs> I'm not sure who their quarterback is. No. Uh, Carolina doesn't. I don't. I don't think it would make a huge difference. I think that they still would be terrible. Um, Miami would go to Tua at that point. Um, you know, the Jets without Darnold are going to win their five games, whatever it is. But, but didn't Miami Lions already the, show you a lot of fight last year that you wouldn't go? For, I wouldn't go for the Dolphins. Of course this year. not. I'm not. I'm yeah. not willing to take yeah. a punch. Two times in a row. Right yeah, now. we fool you once, you know. <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll tell you. But I'll tell you, the Lions were, and I do like the Lions this year. But they were really inept without Stafford, more than they were. Really, really poor. Like that was. It went worse than I thought that it was going to go. So uh, anyway, head on over to FanDuel and check these out. And if you guys have any questions or comments, or maybe you think, hey, Jacksonville is definitely the team to bet on, let us know. Hit us up on social media at SportsGrid, at Craig Mish, at Joe Pizza Pia 17 And perhaps you're right. Maybe it will be Jacksonville. Maybe Jacksonville will lose 15 games this year. Maybe they'll lose 16 games. Maybe it'll be uh, their team to get the first overall pick. And then Trevor Lawrence, all he has to do is make that little trip from South Carolina on to Jacksonville, and then he can be their quarterback for the next 10 years, hopefully for them moving forward. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into, for the first time here on Fantasy Sports Today, a full MMA segment. I can't do it myself. And neither can Joe. So we got to bring in our expert. Mike Alexander is going to join us coming up next. He, of course, does all the MMA work on the DFS side over at Fantasy Alarm and FantasyAlarm.com. So he is going to weigh in on all things MMA, including uh, Nunez's, Nunez's win, in addition to where we could see Conor McGregor next and where we could see the UFC fight next. Will it be here in the States or will it be somewhere else? All that and more coming up next here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It was a big weekend, of course, for MMA and the UFC. And joining us now from Fantasy Alarm is Mike Alexander. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter, at Roto1. And we're going to break down some of the fights this weekend and look ahead to what potentially we could be seeing in Abu Dhabi or even somewhere else. A lot to get to. Mike, thanks for coming on the show. What's going on? Thanks for having me on, Craig. It was a, an interesting night last night. A lot of uh, dogs that weren't expected to won and, and some favorites lost. And then you, you've got some title implications at the top there. So a lot to break down. All right, Mike, let's get started. Let's talk about Amanda Nunez. Obviously, at this point, I don't know what there is left to prove for her. She's fighting basically as the main event on all of these cards. Uh, she basically has rolled over everybody in the sport. 
including putting an end to Ronda Rousey's career, essentially. What is left for her to accomplish at this point? Not much at all. After she cleared out Cyborg in, in convincing fashion, and Cyborg did not want any part of that rematch, uh, left the UFC after her contract expired. There's just barely any contenders. You know, She's got both the 135 and the 145 women's belts. There are only a half dozen women in the 145 division, and that was what this belt she defended last night was. So that was the best challenger, and <laughs> you saw what she had to offer. Um, I actually, if I had to take a guess, that's going to be the belt she defends again next. Uh, they've got not a clear-cut challenger at 135, and at 145, Megan Anderson is, uh, she's got a real good social media presence. Um, she's, you know, she, she plays to the social media crowd. She interacts easy on the eyes. Uh, you know, so she's something they like to market. And, uh, you know, with Nunez really not taking any damage in that fight. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's not a lot, though, left for her to prove anywhere. Yeah, what, what was it like watching, uh, you know, the fights again? I know that, you know, certainly that was the headline, and we'll get into the, some of the uh, undercard as well. But it, it certainly seems like UFC hasn't missed a beat without fans there. They they definitely have been preparing and planning to, to move ahead as soon as uh, given the word that they were, uh, I guess, legally allowed to. The the fans being gone has been interesting. At first, I it's it's a little off putting. It's so quiet, and, and you know you hear these these blows and the the sounds of a fight. You're not exactly used to hearing without that that comfort of the crowd background. Uh, I'm enjoying it though. I, I I never love the crowd because they can get uh, a little overzealous for some punches that they think landed, and you know uh, if there's a home favorite, they they start to enter into the equation versus just who's the better fighter. Um, I don't think it affects judging the way some people do, but uh, there's certainly that aspect. And I think the corners as well have gotten slightly more vocal, some clapping, some stuff like that. So they've, you know, whether it's intentional or not, they've filled out the sound a little bit. So it's not quite as eerily uh, silent in, in the, uh, during the fights. All right, so uh, from the fans to the undercard, I know that there were other a uh, couple of other fights which uh, you know certainly got people's attention. Let's run through the other uh, couple of fights that caught your attention. Yeah, the the biggest implication uh, out of the uh, main card there, Aljamain Sterling takes care of Cody uh, Corey Sanhagen in convincing fashion. Uh, comes out, jumps on his back, and submits him. Uh, that was you know without being said a title eliminator. So. Aljamain Sterling should be in line for the winner of Peter Yan facing Jose Aldo for the vacant title. Um, you could kind of call it a mini Grand Prix here. These these four guys all fought. The two winners are going to fight, you know, for the yeah, the solidified title. Uh, it's, that should be a really good fight. Uh, I'm I'm presuming Peter Yan is going to take care of Jose Aldo. Aldo, the crafty veteran, he's got maybe a trick or two up his sleeve, but uh, I think Yan is the future. Uh, but this division is just a murderer's row, and, and there's plenty of guys out on the fringe of contention as well. But yeah, uh, Aljamain Sterling's come a long way, got it done in convincing fashion. Now, one of the other side notes from last night was the announcement by Conor McGregor that he is going to retire. I guess, I don't know if we can call this a second time. It feels like it's a second time. I think Technically the third ago. time. <laughs> third time, okay. I mean, box, the boxers, boxers will retire like five times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's take, he's taking that path, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, he doesn't know what he wants to do. He, he's yeah, talked so, about I mean, rematch look, with. He, he's had a great career, Mike. He he yeah. could do so many things. I think um, you know when he retires uh, fully, you know, acting and 
-hmm. and who knows some of these you know MMA guys have gone the route of wrestling too you know I'm not quite sure and and you know he's somebody that I think needs to be busy because he's always getting in trouble uh, yeah. doing something else uh, outside of the octagon. So let, let's kind of run through what you think with McGregor. And it would seem to me that for the right amount of money and the right fight that he'd be back again. And that's what it seems like on the surface. Uh, there was rumor that he could challenge Kamara Usman for the 170 title. Uh, there was talk about a super fight with Anderson Silva, who's a 185er, but, you know, pretty, pretty long in the tooth. So, you know, not a guy that uh, is necessarily cutting a ton of weight at this point. It, it wouldn't be that much of a discrepancy. Um, my guess is that just, you know, he's the money wasn't right for him. And he said, OK, I appreciate it. I'm going to walk away. Uh, you can give me a call if you're ready to, to meet my number. And that you're seeing that theme a little bit from multiple fighters. Uh, Jorge Masvidal has said, you know, if I'm not going to fight for the for the title at the right number, you know, why am I getting in there? I'm, if you remember the, the BMF belt versus Nate Diaz a few months back, uh, he's saying, you know, I got paid double what I did in that main event. That fight was able to be marketed like a Conor McGregor fight would be. Um, you know, that would make the most sense is McGregor and Masvidal, but both guys, you know, <laughs> aren't happy with the money. So it's uh, it's not happening. Um, and, you know, John Jones, too, he says he's going to vacate the light heavyweight title. Mm. Uh, He's, he's not happy with the offers for the super fights. The 205 division has some challengers. Um, my personal take on that is maybe Jones isn't the same fighter uh, after his USADA uh, run-in when they had to move the card from uh, Vegas to California. And now he's on a, uh, you know, a much tighter, uh, uh, <laughs> tighter leash. So uh, that was maybe giving him a little boost, making him seem like he was the greatest of all time and still a very good fighter, still the champion, but maybe not ready to take on uh, the Dominic Reyes and, and the other guys coming up, giving him a pretty hard time. So he's looking for that payday, that super fight, and, and he's not getting it uh, to his satisfaction. Where will he go down if this is it as, as you know, all time in the sport? Two, three, one? You know, he's effectively never lost a fight. So I, I, it's hard to say he's anything but the greatest. And he definitely yeah. fought some people in his day. Uh, his only loss was a DQ. Uh, I believe it was a, a down knee to, to Matt Hamill, a fight he was winning easily. Um, you know, there is there is the, the tarnish on the legacy of the legal troubles along with plenty of uh, steroid uh, allegations and, and some positive testing. But, you know, the UFC loves to get him in to defend the title, and they usually figure out how to do it. So, yeah, it could be a similar situation to McGregor. Uh, I'm not going to fight right now. You know, once you start to spend some of that money, the endorsements right. maybe cool off a bit. You're ready to get back in there and, and become a fresh face again. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the case, uh, you know, in, in boxing too. I mean, it's very similar to that. It's you know, guys find a way to always get back in it. Um, all right, Mike. So, uh, you know, I know that, you know, obviously you're a fantasy analyst, not just of UFC. You, you follow fantasy baseball and you follow fantasy football. And, um, you know, I guess at this point, safe to say, it's like a lot of people are starting to dive into some of the football prep. And I know that, you know, best balls are certainly possible. Uh, anything, any trends, anything recently that you're seeing? Uh as far as the, the NFL best ball, uh, I think there's a lot of names that are getting hyped pretty hard. That'll happen in the summertime. Um, you know, the first one that comes to mind is Deontay Johnson on the Steelers. You know, people are just assuming big things for him. So I think you have to be careful with that. You know, you read an article or you saw a name on Twitter and you, you know, you're just trying to get that guy. And you got to be careful to make sure you're 
you're not overspending. And then on the flip side, there's guys who are in situations with a little bit of uncertainty. Um, uh, you know, a, a guy, um, a guy like in, in Chicago, you've got Nick Foles coming to town. You don't know who's going to be the quarterback there. So a couple of wide receivers on that team, uh, Robinson, Anthony Miller, some of those guys could be a pretty nice price with that that quarterback uncertainty, but a, f- a fairly decent offensive system. I think that you know, for me, Mike, the interesting part is is that people are just looking for anything right now. They're looking for NBA, they're looking for baseball, they're looking for yeah. football, and that's why really where MMA has kind of carved out their niche. I would say NASCAR is doing a similar job with this. That's right. Yeah, to the two sports you know that aren't a team sport uh, in the traditional sense. You know, there's obviously plenty of people going on in the, in the background, but you know they've smartly limited it the best they can. They're they're being cautious. Uh, in MMA, we've already had a few positive tests. This fight, uh, this fight card, we had a false uh, positive. They had a secondary test come back negative. The fight proceeded. So things are happening correctly, and, and they're kind of laying a blueprint for the other sports. Where you know when they do come back, this is how you've got to handle things. This is what you've got to be prepared for. Yeah, I think it is uh, you know something to be seen. All right, so when's the next uh, UFC fight? Are they going to fight on an island? What's the deal with that? <laughs> fight Island is supposed to happen. We still don't really have any details. Um, you know, I don't know where it is, what it is. It's essentially it's got to be outside of the U.S. so that international fighters can come and, and compete. Um, I, I do see that side of it. You know, Dana White is trying to to play the white knight and say. You know, you've got these other fighters from from around the world. They need to eat too. Uh, we got to get them some fights. Um, so, yeah, my main concern is you need things like medical staff. You need a hospital nearby uh, for fighters that that uh, you, you don't realize, but a lot of these people that that fight end up in the hospital that night because they yeah, just true. an incredible amount of damage to their body. Um, so, you know, that safety needs to be first and foremost. Uh, you got to assume that the UFC is going to make that happen, is going to have some kind of facility uh, that they're going to have in the background for all of that. But we'll see as details emerge. There's, there's fights that are rumored for it. Uh, the next card's this weekend. It's a fight night card. Uh, the headliner, <laughs> pretty lackluster. Uh, Cynthia Cavillo taking on Jessica I. Uh, no title implications. It's just this is the fight they wanted to put on here. I, I Nobody really has made any sense of it, but um, it, the the only thing I could say is maybe uh, they're having a hard time at this point finding people who are willing to take a five-round fight. It's a hard thing to train for, and in the middle of the pandemic, uh, yeah, even harder. True. So, you know, you, you don't want to take that fight as your your first time headlining an event. Come up short because you you ran out of gas since you couldn't train the way you know you need to. All right, Mike Alexander with us here on Fantasy Sports today. Mike, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. We'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks, Greg. All right, Mike Alexander with us here on Fantasy Sports Today. Catch Mike over at Fantasy Alarm and at Roto One on Twitter. We'll take a quick time out. We'll be back with more Fantasy Sports Today coming up real soon. Plenty more to get to here on today's show as uh, we close in on the 1 o'clock hour. Don't forget, coming up a little bit later, Scott Farrell going coast-to-coast in-game live. All of your programming. Got to stay on the grid the rest of the day. We're here on a Monday for you, and we're back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Hey, welcome back. Craig and Joe here with you as we get ready to close things out. Our schedule for the rest of the day you can find over at sportsgrid.com. And make sure you catch all of our shows later on this afternoon. Scott Farrell, Coast to Coast, in-game live. And Joe and I will be back right here tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. And, of course, the MLB draft is on Wednesday. So we'll have a little bit of a more in-depth preview there. Looking forward to that as well. And uh, looking forward to more cleaning, Joe. Cleaning out my closet, cleaning out my house. <laughs> you know, it's, it's cleaning time. It's pandemic time. It's cleaning time. That's right. Well, have you decorated too? Are you just cleaning it? Like, have you taken things out and hung them up? Like, I've done that. I had things that were there that I was like, man, I got to get a frame for that or whatever. And I started to decorate the office more. Finally got a couple things there, memorabilia wise, up, kind of, you know, spruce up the joints. So, have you, know you taken what? any of these things and, like, you know, framed and placked it? No, yeah. too much. I, I have way. I, I have so many. Look like, your house will look like an Applebee's if you do it. Yeah, like, my, wife, be... my wife is, is very much lets me do whatever I want within my own space. But, like, I'm not going to be putting up a, a, a signed picture of Pedro Martinez in our bedroom, you know? Like, well, of course. Well, of course. that. But you know what? I think we're grown men. We understand that's not where you do it. Do you, do you have the man cave or, or do you just in have the, the studio, garage? Studio C is the man. That's it. Studio that's, C that's, with oh, Craig Mitch. That's it. That's all you got. How, how many mean, walls are out there? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's – I'm full here. I, I, got, um, I got I got five, what, five jerseys up. Five baseball jerseys. I have nine bats. I have like 15 pictures. Is this the most I could do? I I I don't have any other room now. Listen, one day I'll move. It'll be in a bigger house, hopefully, and I'll have like a whole big office, and it'll be amazing. But for now, you got to make with what you got to do. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? You just because last week we were you know trying to play a little game there, stump Craig Mish, trying to show him things in the world of baseball memorabilia that he. That he's never seen, which is very difficult to do. I just want everybody out there to know. Uh, I did find something. It was like a baseball card, garbage pail kid hybrid thing that he had never seen, which I don't even know how I That's came true. across those. But that was That's the true. one thing. We did touch on the mini cards, which Craig and I both very into. Useless, meaningless, no money, nothing to it at all. Very disappointing. But I found some other gems here, too, cleaning out some stuff. And um Here's one for you. He's a minor league card of a guy whose son went on to be a pretty good quarterback. It's a little uh, Pat Mahomes action there. So how do you like that? Have you ever seen this Pat Mahomes card? You got me on the first one. I have never seen that card. Look at it. Look at that. Young Pat Mahomes. No children. His whole life ahead of him. Amazing times there. But uh, now I kind of wonder if this is worth something now. You know, just because. (laughs) I'm going to say no. But it was a good. uh, It was a good. You got me on the first one. Though. I got you the first one. That is yeah. Pretty, I mean, it? normally when it comes to memorabilia and sports cards and things like that, even if I don't have it, I could point it out. But I have never seen that card. Uh, this next one, I'm sure you had, but I just kind of like these. This was oh gosh, sometime I think in the this is '87, I guess it is here. Uh, right. These were put out, and they were uh, they were not really a card so much as a a little uh, something else oh, here because yeah, stand you up, this, yeah. oh, and they stand up and they pop. Look at that. It's like a fairy tale about I Andre. Think, Dawson. I think those are '85. Oh no, they can't be because Dawson is in there on the 87. 87. Oh, that's right. Okay, 87. Yeah. I um yeah. were they yeah. all-star game ones? Is they say all-star on the back? They are. Look, oh go. my goodness. That is impressive. You know, you on the back, ladies and gentlemen, they say all-star, National League All-Star, Ricky Henderson, American League All-Star, all the pop-ups. That is very impressive. But <clears throat> I knew you'd see that one. Have you yeah. seen this one? 
again, we talked about stupid cards that came in food when we were kids. The yes. Drake's cake boxes. Drake's. We talked about the Kraft macaroni and cheese. How about this one right here? A little Stouffer's. Oh, what is that? What is wow. going on there? Definitely never had that. <laughs> Look at that. Little Gary that. Carter popping up for you. You like that? And then he slides right back in there. It says yeah. Stouffer's on the on that's the good, upper man. corner there. You got me twice today. That's I got good. you that's twice. Definitely I, never had a Stouffer's one. I, I don't know. What was oh, the I, meal? What was the meal in that? I can only assume it was a French bread pizza, Craig Mish. That's all I can assume it was. Like yeah, maybe a Stouffer's lasagna. Do they still make Stouffer's? I believe so. You can't go by me. I make my own pizza dough at the I house. I don't think Super so. Italian. I don't. Oh, they I think do. They do. Wow. wow. My Brett, bad. Brett's got him my in the bad. fridge right now. Brett's like, that's what I'm having for dinner today. Yeah. Time. Brett's. Sofer Brett's, just jumped, jumped off our show. Yeah. The French bread pizza's waiting there. All right. Wow. So <clears throat> we're too. So the other thing was like a setup for that. Like I knew you had seen those other things. I didn't know you would be so close to the pop up with the All Star thing. That was. That was easy. That, that was, was impressive. That was impressive. But uh, I knew if I upped my game here. To, and, and it's kind of funny because he's so little. Like, look how tiny he is. <laughs> Bob's up Listen, there. How much can you put in a French bread pizza? It's got to be I, small. I don't know, but I guarantee you this probably tastes it's, about it's the same. It's funny. I never, I hadn't had French bread pizza in who knows how long, years. <laughs> but when, when we, uh, back in March, like my wife was like, we got to pack up. We got to get a lot of food, you know, whatever. I'm like, I think we'll still be able to shop. Oh, no, no, we got to get food. I'm like, okay. So I remember it. I'm like, French bread pizza. That's something that can probably stay in a freezer for a while. Let me grab one of those. And I you did. Had I, actually, I actually had one. I, I didn't love it. Apparently. I, don't, I, I may have been. I don't even remember. But you know what the problem was with it is that I felt it took too long. It took too long to make because it was too thick. Like if, like if I'm going to make a, a, a heated up pizza, I, w I want it to be like, you know, five minutes, four minutes. I'm not a microwave guy. I don't want a microwave, but I want a crisp. Oh, no, sacrilege. No, no, no. See, see what I did on the opposite is I, I know I'll be making calzones and pizzas and things. So I just bought a bunch of yeast and flour and just make my own dough. And I don't want to say people can't do that. It's not hard you know, to do. No, they ran out of flour here, big time here. Well, I made sure I was what? Everyone's buying toilet paper, not this Italian. He was buying flour. There you go. All right. <clears throat> this next one, I don't know. I kind of put this one at a 50-50. I'll be honest with you. So, this was a little series that came out, and I think it was only the one year. If I'm looking for a year on this, it's hard to find right now. Oh, 1990. So by then, Craig Mish might have been, I don't know, in middle school, kissing girls. I don't know what was going on there. So maybe he was out of this by then. But this was still my childhood. But these were something called collectabooks. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen these, my friend. But what these are, basically baseball cards. But inside, they're like little stories. So, oh my goodness, I pulled out King Griffey Jr. on the first one. Look at that. And there's like a little storybook. And you can read about Ken Griffey Jr. How miraculous is that? And a little cartoon on the back as well. So, Craig Mish, have you ever seen a collector book? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, you're the worst. <laughs> That is, that is, so I didn't know there were basketball ones, or is that yeah, just Michael I, Jordan you have? No, I, I have the whole set. Oh, so I have the whole set of the baseball. But, but what was, it was interesting that I went through them and I uh, pulled the Jordan out of it. Okay. It just it was like brand new. It looked so good, you know, it looked like it's like. Well, I just pulled out, I literally just grabbed one out, happened to be Ken Griffey Jr. And that's the there. only thing that's on my desk right now. How about that? That's, that, that means we're soulmates. That's why we do this show together, because that was on my desk this morning when I said, all right, just in case we have time at the end of the show today, I'm going to see if I can stump Craig Mish with some uh, some baseball card memorabilia thing. Uh, now, this is a funny set. I remember this very vividly. This is a great day with my dad. 
My dad took me to King's Plaza Mall, just father, son, to see space balls, right? Just me and my dad go to the mall, go to the movies, hanging out. And of course, they had a little baseball card, little kiosk thing set up there. And I remember buying these. That's how crazy my memory is. And I kind of connect that day with my dad, being him, going to see a movie I probably shouldn't have been going to see at that age, laughing our asses off. That's what dads do. They do things that are right on the borderline, and that's what makes us dads. So this was a little set called Home Run Kings. So at the time, this was all the home run leaders starting from 354 all the way. So obviously, number one, Henry Aaron, and you continue to go through there, Babe Ruth. And it goes all the way. Made by Kmart, right? Made by Kmart. With the K on the back. Or is that Circle K? Or maybe it is Circle K. You might be right. Maybe it is Circle K. I guess it's not Kmart. It is Circle K. But that is... That is impressive. So have you, I assume you've you've seen this though. Yes, I have. There you go. So I I couldn't, uh, I couldn't crack all of them there, but uh, I I did, I did show you up on the Pat Mahomes. I got you there, got you on the first one and did get you. I set up the flip cards for you into the Stouffer's Gary Carter, which I don't have any other ones, just Gary Carter. I don't know how I acquired it. Don't remember where. I'm sure the frozen pizza is still somewhere lodged inside of my body. Probably not healthy for me at all as a child, but uh, alas, here we are. But uh, that, I am impressed once again with your incredible knowledge into the 90s even. So I, I got to say, that's. I thought maybe if I start to push the envelope, go to the early 90s, maybe Craig found girls and stop with the baseball memorabilia. But I guess I guess there's just no, uh, there's no getting anything by you there, Craig. No, the 80s, it, listen, you could show me cards – and, and memorabilia from the last 20 years, and I wouldn't have a clue. You know, I wouldn't know right. anything well, about neither it. Well, neither would I. Neither would I. But it, but it's really about, you know, everything recently that, um, you know, that I don't I do I have do one more, about. but I'm sure you've – I know we only have like a minute left, but I'm pretty yes. sure you've seen these. But I always – we did a funny segment on Diamond Bets uh, this past weekend on Flipping Cards. Remember the, the Don Russ Diamond Kings? Remember the terrible artwork of some of the – some of the players, how atrocious some of those faces were. Here were some ones, too. Uh, you ever see these? These were put out there by Fleer. Yeah, those are Fleer, yeah. With, yeah. The, uh, with the cool little, like, there's yeah, the nice, look at patriotic yeah. Mark McGuire. I like it. Yeah. So this was a little set of these. And a little step up from the creepy, weird-looking, uh, some of those some of those artist renderings on the Diamond Kings. Eh, not the best artist renderings. Not necessarily. Uh, Dick Perez. I love Dick Perez. Oh wow! You pick a shot at Dick. I'm Perez. not taking wow. a shot at Dick Perez. I'm saying is the David Cohn one. As I said on the show, he looks like someone from Children of the Corn. He's this terrifying little. Some some of them are good. Some of them not so good. Is that one guy who did all of them all those years? Yes, Dick Perez. He was the guy. Listen, is- that'll do it. That'll do it for our show today. We'll call Dick Perez. We'll tell him you said hello. <laughs> For Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. I hope you guys have a great day. We'll be back here tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.